my brothers. Welcome back to another episode of Porn and the Gospel. I am your host, Spencer Sutton, and I'm coming to you Sunday morning. It's I'm looking at my clock at 6.20 a.m. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be a great day, and I hope it's going to be a great day for you. You get to get out of your house, out of your apartment, out of wherever you are, and worship the Lord with, uh, with the saints, with brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, so I wanted to share a message with you uh, that I've been thinking a lot about lately, um, just reflecting on my own life, but, but really spending a lot of time in Psalm 107 this past week. Um, I've just been just kind of taking, uh, a, it's kind of broken up into several different passages. And so I'm, we're not going to read the entire thing here, but, um, but I've just been kind of looking at it just verse by verse and praying about it, writing about it, journaling. And then um, I've had a couple of long runs this week and uh, have had a great, great opportunity just to think and just to process and just to pray. And so the question I want to kick us off with, and, and we'll look at these passages, but the question I want to kick us off with, and it's a question for you, because it's a question I was asking myself is why do men need some type of crisis or some type of disaster or some amount of pressure on their life before they act, before they take action? Why do you think that is? Like, why do men refuse to do what's necessary until the wheels are falling off? Why do most men like avoid counseling until their marriage is in ruins? Why do most men avoid the doctor until there is a health crisis? I mean, I was even thinking about this with my life. I was with a group of guys and we were, um, we went hiking, camping, and we were just talking about physicals and things like that. And man, I'm, I'm 50 years old and, um, <laughs> I have not had a physical can't even remember the last time I had a physical, you know, just a checkup. And that's just me avoiding like the truth. And, and, you know, I use the excuse that, well, my dad and my brother are both doctors. And so if I'm sick, I talk to them and, and that's great, but that's not the same thing. And so what does this have to do with Psalms 107? So, it's, and, and really what I want you to do is think about your own life, right? So if you are struggling with pornography, masturbation, and you have not hit rock bottom. I just want you to think about your life. Why do you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again? As if you're waiting for something to, to force you to get help. Right? So looking at this Psalm, it's very, very interesting. I mean, he, the Psalmist starts off just saying, Hey, let's give thanks to the Lord. His steadfast love endures forever. So he begins with truth. And then he says, let, let the redeemed, let, like, let the people of God say so he's redeemed from trouble. 
And so then he, then he starts to go on and he, he talks about all the trouble and all the distress and all the hopeless situations that the people of God were in and how they cried out to the Lord and then how he answered them. And then the Psalm ends by saying, like, look back at all of these things he's done for, for you and praise him, like give him praise. And so the thought came to me that sometimes God has to put us in just hopeless and desperate situations before we cry out to him. Like we have to experience massive amounts of pressure in our life before we act, before we do what we know we should have been doing the entire time. Isn't that interesting? Let's, let's look at, I mean, look at some of these things like some wandered in desert waste, finding no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Some sat in darkness, in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the word of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor, and they fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Some were fools, verse 17, through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities, suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep, for he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which he lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. And then in verse 33, he just, the psalmist just reminds us, like, if we had any doubt, he reminds us who is in control. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. And then the reverse is true. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly and he does not let their livestock diminish. So think about this. Okay, in this is recounting the people of God. So in context, we're looking back at the people of God and how God has redeemed his people. That's why it starts off by saying, let the redeemed say so. God has redeemed his people from all from every corner of the world. He brought them to himself. He called them a people who were not a people. Like by his grace, he does this. But what does it take? It takes 
pressure. It takes a crisis of belief. It takes a massive amount of faith, which does not come easy. Some of you say you believe, but your life like has zero demonstration of your faith. So, so God has to orchestrate things in your life to show you that you're not in control. The problem, the problem, brothers, with you and with me is that we don't think we need help until the waves are drowning us, until we're brought to an end of ourselves. And this can come as a result of our own sinful and wicked ways, or it can be the will of God to wake us up. Like, wake up. God has created you to be a leader. A leader. Leading your family, leading other people like leading in the church. He's created you to be a leader. And if you can't lead yourself, then you for sure can't lead anybody else. And so sometimes he puts so much pressure on us. We have to come to an end of ourselves to grow. So, I mean, we don't have to grow, right? We can just ignore, 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 ignore God over and over and over again. Look at the words in the psalm. Verses 4 and 9 use the words hungry, thirsty, trouble, distress. Verses 10 through 16 use darkness, affliction, hard labor, helpless, trouble, distress. Verses 17 through 22 use affliction, near death, distress, destruction. Verse 23 through 32 Courage melted away, staggering like drunk men, wisdom vanished. When it says they came to their wits' end, that means their wisdom, like their ability to reason and, and think their way out of the situation had completely vanished. So it all boils down to who I believe is in control. Am I in control or is God? If I'm constantly looking for ways to make my life easier and more comfortable and avoid the truth that my sin has become unmanageable, then a rude awakening is coming. If I'm a child of God, like there may be some of you listening who, who aren't like truly saved. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know the condition of your heart. I don't know how you came to faith in Christ. But if you are true child of God, then in his grace and in his mercy, he will wake you up. And so when I look around, like God is looking for men to go to war. Like a peacetime mentality is for the man who is hiding from God and lying to himself. And trust me, brothers, I know because this was me right? So I, it's, it's easy to look like a Christian 
while at the same time, lying to yourself, lying to other people, living a life of fantasy is what it boils down to. Constantly looking for the easy way. Well, maybe if I just read this devotion, well, maybe if I just do this, or maybe if I serve here or, or whatever, I mean, it could be a million different things. My problem, like my problem with porn had become such a disaster. Like God had to allow it to like completely shipwreck my life. Like I had no one to turn to, but God marriage in the pit, loss of reputation, loss of job, deeper and deeper. I dropped until I hit the bottom and called out. What's the alternative? What's the alternative, right? So we see here that this is a pattern in the life of God's people. And I will tell you, it's a pattern in the life of men, period, the end. Why do most men who start a diet to, and decide, look, I need to eat healthy on January 1, why do they fail by March 1st? Why are they out of the gym? Why do they give up on their diets? Because there's no pressure there. They, they put themselves under pressure long enough to set a resolution, but not long enough to keep it, not long enough to turn it into a habit, not long enough to turn it into an addiction, like health as an addiction, which is a good addiction, which means it comes automatically. So what's the difference between a man who needs the Lord to bring him down because he refuses to listen. He refuses to apply the pressure himself versus the man who constantly applies the pressure to himself, goes to war with his lies, goes to war with his story, goes to war with his sin and finds freedom from pornography and masturbation Like I was just watching, I just, um, I think, well, I know who it was. It was David Platt. He put out a little video and he was talking about, I mean, it was probably a minute long, two minutes long. I don't know. It was on his Instagram account, maybe radical, you can radical.net or whatever. But he said, what keeps most people from being used by God in magnificent ways? And he said, sin sin does. And so the first thing that he pointed out was he said, think about sexual sin, pornography. And I was like, yes, a hundred percent. Like think about what God desires to do through his leaders in the church, like men, he's, he wants to raise up in the church, but yet they're stuck in this pit of pornography. You can read 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 22. There's two types of vessels in the house. There's ones that are used for honorable purposes, and there's ones that are just used like as just not honorable. Paul says, if you cleanse yourself from what is dishonorable, you will be used by the master of the house. So what's the difference? 
So immediately my mind went to Paul. I started to think about Paul. Like when I was thinking about the difference between a man who tries to live in this peacetime mentality, like just give me the path of least resistance, give me the easy button versus a man who continually puts pressure, like good pressure on himself to take action for the glory of God. I thought about the life of Paul. Like Paul was doing this all of the time. He, he could have just lived a life of ease. He was a follower of Christ. He was born again. He planted a church and had a, had a home church. He could have lived a comfortable life. He could have just been the pastor of this church and preached at this church. And that was okay. But God had created him to be both missionary and mercenary. Like he was, he was a bond servant of Christ. Like he was there to obey God and he followed his voice, no matter the pressure it put on himself. As a matter of fact, he put the pressure on himself to take action. He didn't look for the easy button. He didn't look to settle down, but he went to war. And I, this is the passage that I thought about second Corinthians four starting in verse seven, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are what afflicted in every way, way, but not crushed perplexed, but not driven to despair persecuted, but not, but not forsaken struck down, but not destroyed always carrying in the body, the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our bodies for we who live are always being being given over to death for Jesus's sake so that the life of Jesus may also may be manifest in our mortal flesh so death is at work in us but life in you so paul is saying i am on purpose on purpose i'm sacrificing my life for your sake i'm willing to be afflicted and perplexed and persecuted and struck down. My body doesn't matter. Like I am willing to put myself under massive amounts of pressure and distress for your sake, for your good, for the glory of God, for the purpose of sharing the gospel so that the life of Christ that is at work inside of me can also be at work inside of you. Like my body can waste away, but my spirit is being renewed day by day. So we do not lose heart. Verse 16, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to, to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Like Paul had a mission from God. He was missionary and mercenary, a hired gun. And brother, you also have a mission from God. If the spirit of God lives inside of you, you also have a mission from God. The question is, Will you like go? Will you put yourself under enough pressure to go, to act, 
So what does that look like? Well, first, first, you cannot lead anyone else unless you're leading yourself. Right? So I'm the biggest liar that I know. I'm the biggest sinner that I know. I'm not looking at other people and saying, well, I'm thankful that I'm better than they are. Wow. Well, at least I'm not doing this and that and this and that. No, I, I have the biggest problem. And so first I go to war with the sin in my own life. I begin take, to take responsibility for my own life. I'm the cause of the trouble in my own life. I'm not, a, I don't play the victim. I'm not looking to other people and saying, oh, well, if it weren't for them, I would, I would be better. If it weren't for this person, why? Well, I, I mean, men love to blame their wives. Men love to blame their bosses. Men love to blame everybody else to keep them from looking at themselves and saying, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I need to start going to war with the stories and the lies that I've been, been believing for decades. I have coached many, many men who start strong, who start strong, but they don't finish strong. They don't wake up daily and go to war with their sin. They're looking for the path of least resistance. Why do men put porn blockers on their computer? Because it's easier to install software than to do the work yourself. To fall out of love with porn and in love with Christ is far more difficult than putting a porn blocker or by saying that I have an accountability group. It's far more difficult. It's easier just to lie to yourself, continue to sedate, continue to live in a fantasy world until guess what? Until God takes that river and turns it into a desert. He can turn what you think is a fruitful land into a salty waste. He can cause the waves of life to rise up to the heavens and come crashing down. He can allow you to sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. He can bow your hearts down if, if he wants to. The thing I love about Paul here is that he applied the truth the truth, the facts, God's word, and the facts of his current situation to himself first. Then he spoke truth to others and trusted God with the outcomes. And what happened? Some praised him and some persecuted him. He didn't care. This is what I, one of the things I love about Paul. He didn't care. Like he was not looking for man's approval, but God's period, the end. And so some of you sit in this, 
in this pit, knowing, like you're already thinking in your mind, I need to confess the sin with pornography and masturbation. I need to confess it to fill in the blank. You know, you already know that you don't do it. You know who you should confess to, whether that be your wife or your pastor or your accountability partner for the hundredth time. But we don't, we don't like those uncomfortable situations. I don't like those uncomfortable situations. Well, I look at Paul and all I see are uncomfortable situations. All I see is pressure from within and pressure from without. Pressure he applied to himself because he was on mission and he was a hired mercenary versus like also with pressure from the outside, <laughs> pressure from people who hated him, who wanted him out of their city, who stoned him, dragged him out and thought he was dead. Galatians 1.10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were trying, still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So do you see, pleasing man means you're not a servant of Christ. That's what he said. And I love this, this thought here. I want to share this thought with you from a study I did on Galatians um, by Tim Keller. He says this, the gospel removes a man-pleasing spirit, the drive to win the approval of men. It replaces that spirit with its opposite, not needing to win or seek human approval for what you do. In other words, the gospel produces confident and fearless followers of Jesus doing what is right without concern for the approval and good opinion of others. God says, I mean, Paul says that he couldn't be a servant of Christ if he were a people pleaser. So how does the gospel destroy man pleasing by freeing us and motivating us to seek to win the approval of God, verse 10. In the gospel, we discover that trusting in Christ bring God's, brings God's full and complete favor and approval. When he sees the believer, he sees Jesus. And so he says to us, with you, I am well pleased. God is pleased with us. And because God is pleased with us, we can live in a way which pleases God, the creator of the cosmos. Paul seeks to please God rather than people. He urges Christians to sacrificially obey God because this is pleasing to God. So the question comes now to you, brother. Do you need God's good and perfect and gracious intervention in your life to wake you up from your slumber? Do you need to dig your own pit and fall headlong into it over and over and over and over before you call out to him in despair and distress and trouble? Or will you take courage in God 
in the blood of Christ and with the power of his spirit, go to war with the lies that you have, that have you trapped in this pit of porn. Will you create urgency and desperation for yourself? I was writing about this the other day, and this is the thought that just came to my mind. Most men are trapped in this illusion that it's good enough. Like they settle for good enough. Well, my life is not on fire. It's good enough. Yeah, I struggle with porn, but my marriage is okay. So it's, it's good enough. I'm good. Don't want to rock the boat. Don't want to upset anyone. And so men sit in a dungeon and they play the victim when they could be used by God in this great cosmic war and battle that we're engaged in. So this thought came to me like prayers of desperation when times are good, that is an act of war. And that is what we must be doing, brothers. Like when you think things are good enough, we, like I, I was just thinking, reading these passages and contemplating, I was like, God, I need, I need a spirit of desperation, even when things feel good, especially when things feel good. Do you know why? Because I drift, I drift, I drift, just like you do. So you have a choice, brother. Brother in Christ, you have a choice. Like, come to an end of yourself by desperate prayer and calling out to God and seeking his will, and then follow what he tells you to do. Like, obey what he's telling you to do. Dig deep in the word. He will tell you. He will not leave you questioning, what should I do next? If he desires you to drag your sin out into the light, you already know the answer. Or you can live a life of fantasy. Pretend that everything's okay. Try to make everybody else believe that everything's okay. Stay trapped in your prison until you come to the end of yourself until you're so desperate life's falling apart and then maybe you'll do what verse six says they cried to the lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress brother my prayer for you and I'll pray, pray before we leave. My prayer for you is that you come to an end of yourself before God brings you to an end of yourself. Like call out in desperate prayer, even if your bank account is full, even if you've got great relationships. Like the fact that you're listening to this, you're either one of two men. You're a man who's looking to help other brothers in the fight or you yourself are struggling with pornography, which I would say 98% of the people who listen to this podcast are struggling with pornography. I hear from them. It's good. It's good, brother. I was you. I was you. 
and I don't have my life figured out. <laughs> that's the, that's the encouraging thing. You don't have to have everything figured out. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to act. But most men don't act until it's, it's like they come to the end of themselves. So Lord God, I pray that the brothers listening here, that before they turn off this podcast, because they don't want to hear this prayer, I pray God that you would give them courage, like a spirit of fearless courage, like welling up in them right now to do what you, what they know they need to do, what you've told them to do. God, give them a spirit of courage, not of, they, you didn't, they didn't receive a spirit of timidity and fear. God, they received a spirit of power from you, Jesus Christ. You acted like when you were here, you acted in truth at all times. You were not afraid to tell the truth, to confront men. And Lord, we need your spirit to confront ourselves and to lead ourselves first and then to lead other men. God, I pray that you would just give us the spirit of courage to say and to do the things that we know we need to, but maybe God, we don't want to because it means we're going to have to have really uncomfortable conversations. We're going to have to be vulnerable and we're scared of being vulnerable. Why God? Because we don't trust you with the outcome. So God, give us more faith. Like you must increase. I must decrease. And for the brothers here who know what they need to do, God, put your spirit of courage in them. Give them trust in you, not, not trying to manipulate the outcomes or to make it more palatable or easier to digest. God, just, God, I just pray that we would see ourselves as in desperate need of you. So God, even when times are good, when things are good, when things are going great at work, when we're healthy, when like our lives seem like we have it all together, God, give us this desire to come and pray like desperate prayer for more of you. God, we have to go to war every single day. If not war with ourselves and war for our brothers in Christ, like in you, God, you've called us. You've called us to bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. I pray, God, that you would do it in the men who are listening here, that each man, even though his life may be a wreck right now, maybe like just totally in disarray. God, I pray that you will bring healing. I pray that you will bring focus. I pray that you will bring addiction to what is good and right and holy in their lives for the sake of your glory, God, so that they can then in turn go and tell other men like what you've done for them. Lord, I just I want to remind you of your steadfast love for your people. I want to remind you of that because I see that over and over and over in the Psalms, like God, your people just bringing to, not that you forgot, but that like, we need to remember God, you raise the needy out of affliction. Lord, I pray that as we think on your steadfast love, we would give you praise. 
Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from east and from west, from north and from south. Lord, I can, I can attest that once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. Whole by the blood of Jesus Christ, I praise you for that. God, send your spirit out. Create leaders of these men. Give them courage to go to war. In Christ's name I pray, amen. All right, brothers. That is it for this morning. I'm going to get ready and go worship the Lord with other brothers and sisters, taking my wife and my daughter. My son will go later down in Auburn. So, brother, I hope that you have a great Sunday, no matter when you're listening to this. It could be months or years from now. And if you ever need anything, reach out to me, Spencer, Spencer at naturalpornkiller.com. I'd be happy to converse with you. I want to encourage you. And may God bring himself glory through your life.